You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Welcome to those of you joining us online from around the world. I think we have somebody in Alaska that watches. We have somebody in Oklahoma that watches. So if you're checking in online and you're checking in from Moscow, you can put that in the little chat thing, or you can just check in. Where are you from? Where are you, where are you watching us from? So super honored uh, to be there. And for those of you that chose to come here today, super excited. Um, you're like, what's he doing with the rope? If you haven't been here, this is weird. No. Um, so we are continuing on in our sermon series, and we are working our way through uh, the covenants and up to this pretty awesome covenant that's going to happen in two weeks called the New Covenant, where Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, uh, came down and died, a, uh, died on the cross for us and rose again. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Resurrection Sunday's coming. It's it's a, it's isn't it's not it's more than Easter eggs, yes. right? This is so much deeper. But as we're coming to that, we said, hey, let's go through and let's look at the covenants because uh, God is a God who sees us, who hears our cry, and who knows where we are. And so, God, we look back and where we've been a little bit in this series. One of our first covenants we talked about was with Noah, or excuse me, with yeah, with Noah, the Noahic covenant. And that's what we call these our handholds. Like God's just like, okay. I'm not going to destroy the earth, even though things messed up really, really bad. And I'm going to build it through uh, this one man. I found this man to be righteous. So we have one man, and he's going to be like, okay, cool. All right, let's build a handhold here, and we can hold on to the Noahic covenant. And that we are not defined by the sins that we have committed, but we're defined by who God says we are. We are forgiven, if you remember the tattoo. Right? We're forgiven. Every time you see a rainbow, you should think about God's promise to not destroy the earth again via flood and his promise that, that you are not defined by what you did, but you're defined by who he says you are and forgiveness and love. And so we have that handhold to hold on to. And then, uh, then we talked about the Abrahamic covenant and Abraham, how God said he's going to come through this one family and all the descendants of the earth are going to fall through this family lineage and he's going, they're going to be blessed. And he comes to Abraham, who is the son of an idol maker. And he says, Abraham, and it's kind of going to go cold today if I do this right. He's like, Abraham, not really a proposal, but kind of a proposal. He's like, I want to be your God. Abraham, I want to be your God. I know you see that there's lots of gods. I know you see that there's lots of things going on and you see all this worship all around. And I know you, your family made a living by selling idols for other gods, but I want to be your God. And then through Abraham's lineage, through uh, Isaac and, uh, and uh, Jacob, and we, we get down to, to and Joseph, we get down to this, uh, this next knock of this Mosaic covenant. And what is this? This covenant is a different covenant for sure. So, and remember our analogy, God's not beating you with the rope. He's not trying to, oh, oh, you didn't catch it here. He's not playing games with you. He's eventually going to send his son down to the bottom of this rope to pick you up and to carry you into a life with an everlasting God. Remember, Right? This is not a joke to you. There's, he's not trying to move the world around and trick you. That is not a, the God we serve. These are handhelds, and sometimes it's not even your hand that's holding on to it. You're being held, and somebody else is bringing us up. So as you think about the Mosaic Covenant, what does this look like? How many people did their homework this week? Woo! All right. You have homework next week. What's the homework say for next week? 
First Samuel? Second Samuel. Excellent. I'm so encouraged when I think about um, Moses. I'm so encouraged as a, as a preacher, as a pastor, as a man, as I look at how God would choose to use someone like Moses. I love to see the Moses. I, I kind of went through and I kind of got it over zealous and started reading through the whole book of Exodus and was like flashing back and forth through it. I was like, ooh, ooh, what happened here? Ooh, I get excited. And I would just see this time with Moses and the insecurity that Moses has about being used by God. Anybody else in this room possibly insecure about being used by God? I am insecure every Sunday at about, yeah, this time. Every Sunday. Like, Lord, okay, all right, here we go, Lord. Like people are like, he worships really hard. Yeah, I'm very scared. I need, I, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill this place, Lord. Come fill this place, with your, fill this atmosphere with you, God. Let people just be touched by you and by your worship and by your word through your servant. And just let me do a good job, please, and let me screw it up. Is that part of the song, Greg? I don't know if that's part of the song, but that's how I sing it. And so I love to see uh, Moses' insecurity and that God would use someone insecure over and over and over and over and over again because that gives me hope that he's going to use somebody like me. The land of unsure, the place where you're looking over your shoulder wondering what's coming at me next. Many times in my life as I've been at the low point of my life, I can see that God is reaching down to help restore me. God is making a way for someone like Josh Gray. That rhymes. Wow. But he's making a way. He's making a path. And he's making a path for you. You are part of his story. So as we look at Moses' story, and I just got caught up in it because I just got so excited I was reading it. So Moses is put in a basket as a baby and launched. Can you imagine as a mom, you just know that you're three months old, best chance at life is to put him in a basket and put him down a river. Just sit and think about that decision. Like, ah, Lord, help. Help us. And it's interesting how he even got there. And I was doing, doing a little homework, and thanks to our sermon club, doing a little homework. Well, what happened? How did we get there where they were going to just be murdering all of these uh, Hebrew these babies, and they wanted all the male babies thrown into the Nile River to the god of Smolok, the alligator god, and they'll get, he'll get eaten up? Because what was happening? Like, what did Pharaoh realize that was happening with these, this culture and these people? Well, what was happening is they were getting strong and comfortable and powerful, and they were getting strong and comfortable and powerful because they were farming some of the most amazing farmland in the world after the flood of the, uh, the Nile. Am I thinking the right river? Nile River? Nile River. After, after the flood of the Nile River that happened for four months, it still happens, they would go out and get the chance to farm that land. And tell me they were killing it. Like things were going so well. But guess what they couldn't do when the water was really, really high for four months? Farm. Right? They couldn't farm. And so what would they do? Well, Pharaoh's like, hey, I would like to subcontract you guys to come back here and build some of my statues and build my stuff. And I'm going to provide you a house. And I'm going to provide you somebody that cleans your house. And I'm going to provide you beer and, and, and food. They're like... Sounds like a good deal. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal today. 
right? And they're going to provide this stuff for these Hebrews, and they're starting to flourish underneath this. And then there's a change in leadership, and when that change in leadership happens, Pharaoh's like, this is not good. Let's murder all the boys. Let's get rid of all of them. We are going to breed them out of the culture because they are coming bigger and stronger and blessed, and all these great things are happening, which is why we get Moses in a basket. Does that make sense? So, that these folks, God's people, Abraham's descendants, were getting comfortable. And they weren't necessarily, they were around all of these other Egyptian gods. And I don't know if they bought into those, but if you're around something long enough, something's going to rub off. And so this oppression happens. Fast forward quickly. Uh, Moses sees some of his people being treat, mistreated, and he kills an Egyptian. Pharaoh finds out about this and Moses runs. Meets a shepherd girl, or helps some shepherd girls at a well, getting bullied. He was the ultimate, like, you can't bully my people, right? Getting bullied. And the dad asks, why are they back so fast? And then he gets a wife out of the whole deal. I'm fast forwarding. This is a lot of scripture in a very fast forward time, right? Any of you ladies with child, think about the name Zipporah. Consider that Consider that for, for future names, right? So that's who Moses marries. Heavy oppression to people. Ten plagues come upon uh, Egypt. Moses goes back, and he's talking. He throws down the staff. You guys have all seen the movie, right? All of these things are happening. This is, my, this is literally my notes. Red Sea crossing. Manna and quail. Water from a rock, Amalekites defeated, Moses' arms are raised, done. Mosaic covenant. What does this lead us to a Mosaic covenant? What is going on? So let's read out of our uh, text. If you brought your Bible, good for you. If not, we'll uh, graciously put it on the screen for you. Got my Bible here all highlighted up. Moses, or excuse me, Moses, Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. This is right before we're seeing the beginning of this covenant here. The next day, Moses took a seat to serve as judge for people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw that Moses, what Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the, the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. So, pause for you gentlemen in here. There are times when your father-in-law is going to give you good advice. He's going to give you real good advice. Like, this is not good. You and these people will, uh, will come to, uh, will come, you'll only wear yourselves out. Don't do ministry alone, Moses. Don't do ministry alone, Joshua. Don't do ministry alone, whoever you are sitting in your seat right now. You are designed to do ministry with other people, maybe even in a life group. Right? Anybody else? No? No life group? Bad joke? Scratch that from the next sermon. Okay. Um, So this work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone because you should be in a life group. Listen now. To me, and I will give you uh, some advice, and may God be with you. You must be a, uh, the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. 
teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. As I thought about this message this week, I'm like, Lord, what do you want for your people? What do you want them to hear? What is the point and purpose of this covenant? Now, this covenant is a different type of covenant than, than we see, that we've seen so far. Uh, these co- this covenant is, is not a unilateral covenant. It's not God's going to do it anyway, no matter what. This is a covenant that requires participation. This is a suzerain vassal covenant. It has a greater party and a lesser party. And uh, this nation, these, this is the lesser party. And this is required. So this is the other one. With Abraham, God's like, I'm doing this. With Noah, God's like, I'm doing this. Really nothing required of them. God's doing his part. This part is, 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 is God's people have a part to pay. So this is, this, is a, this is a conditional covenant. It has conditions on it. And so it's quite different than, than these other covenants. And so when you think about a conditional covenant, it leads me to thinking about a covenant of marriage. And we're going to see this, and there's lots of wedding language all around this covenant that God is making with this nation. There's lots of wedding language around this. So you have this almost proposal, in my mind, I don't even know, this is just how I see it, this proposal to Abraham, I want to be your God. I want to be your God. And then through Moses in this Mosaic covenant, there's, there's this, 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 this marriage. He wants to, to more than just be uh, engaged. He wants to marry these people. For these people, this is through the line of where Jesus will come. This is, we have one man with Noah. We have one family lineage with Abraham. And now we have one nation with the Israelites. One man one family, one nation, what do you think Jesus is going to bring? Everybody. Us. That's how we get in the story. Right? Brings everybody. But when you think about this, it's like a marriage covenant, right? It's a marriage covenant of what we're doing. I've been thinking about this as I'm working with different folks and, 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 uh, and just guys that I'm doing life with. And, and one of this, this phrase keeps going around my head over and over and over and over again. And I think it was for this today. Now, I don't know if I'm ever going to write a book, but I have lots of great book titles. And here is my newest marriage book title. Roommates or Soulmates. Thank you. I don't have the rest of the book written, but I'm right there. Really close. Roommates or Soulmates. Some of you married folks are sitting there right now going like, ah, mm. am I designed, does, does, does God want you to be his roommate? Does God want you to know about him? Does God want you to tolerate him? Do you want God just to tolerate you? Is that the kind of relationship that this God came to Abraham and said, I want to be your God. I want to be your roommate. No, I want to be your God. I want to be the one true God. These other gods that you're seeing and experiencing in the world, like that is not, that is not, that's not what we're about. 
Let me show you, let me propose to you a different plan. I want to be the type of God that's a soulmate, not a roommate. I want to be, do you think the God of our Bible, do you think that he wants to be known? Do you think that he wants to be known? Do you think that he wants the world to know about him? He has a desire, that deep desire to be, have an intimate relationship with you, sitting in your seat right where you are. I think so. I think a lot of people have died for that purpose. I think that the story is pretty complete, and I think it's pretty compelling. And I think that he builds these covenants together and he's building these together because that's his desire is for us to know him and for him to know us. And he is not going to not make a way. He, God, it wants us, he wants restoration and he wants to make a way for you and for me and for the people that are going to come after us. Exodus 19, verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt. And what did he see? Oh, that's right. All the plagues, parting of the Red Sea. Like, there's enough evidence here that this God really cares about them. And there's enough evidence in your life that this God really, really cares about you. Examine. Examine your own evidence. See if you cannot find where you see how much God cares about you. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my commands, conditional. I have a way that we are to live here, is what he says. Then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So it goes on, and this is the law that is given and there's 613. Oh, I thought my nose was bleeding. Thank goodness. That would have been a bad time for a nosebleed. 613 laws. And you know what the purpose of the laws are in the Jewish culture, in this culture? You know what the purpose, what they're trying to do, besides put order and regulation? That, you know, we know some of them, right? We talked about the Ten Commandments because we know those by heart now. Moral laws. But you know what, you know what they're trying to do with all of these laws? Just what you and I do every morning. You know how when I wake up every morning and my feet hit the floor, the very first thing I think of is, God, how can I show the world how much I love you? That's not the first thing I think about. I think the first thing I think about is I have to go to the bathroom. And then I think about how many emails came in while I was sleeping. Then I think about 
if Gonzaga is going to win tomorrow, which I know they are. And then I think about something else, and then I think about it, and all of a sudden my whole day goes by, and then I didn't sit there and think about how many different ways can I show the world who my God is. That's what he's trying to think about. I think that's what the point of the Mosaic Covenant is for me and for us. Yes, there's lots of laws, but this is a story of a wedding. There's a proposal that happens. I want to be your God. And now they're getting married to their God. It's a covenant between God and a race of slaves. This is a God who is inviting them to live with him in the kingdom. And then he's giving them instructions on how to live a life of integrity how to live a life of honor towards one another. And guess what happens if we're living a life of integrity and honor with one another? How do you think this relationship's doing? The farther we get away from integrity and honor and caring and seeing our people around us is going to separate us from this. The bitterness that comes up when your life just becomes about being a roommate with God instead of having God as your soulmate where you intimately know each other. And above all, one of the most important things in a marriage covenant or this covenant is what? It's loyalty. It's loyalty. In fact, this is God's love language. When you swear allegiance to him only, and then you walk out in obedience, you know what you scream? I love you. That's what they're trying to do. How many ways can we show the world that we love God? That's up on Sunday. I'll get involved in something. No, how many ways this next week can you show the people that are around you that you love God? Not even with your mouth with your actions, with your heart, with how you see them, with how you, how you give them grace that they don't even know that you gave them. What do God's people look like? God came down and said, I'm going to show you what, what, what we look like. They look like this. They look like the Ten Commandments. They look like they are loyal and faithful to God, to one true God. They're not distracted by all these other gods and all these other things that, that we definitely don't have any distractions with. And then he gives them the how to be his people, the moral law, the basic laws, laws that would set them apart from the pagan nations. You know what pagan nations don't do? Or you know what pagan nations do? They throw away babies. They throw them into the Nile. That's what pagan nations do. They get rid of, they, they throw stuff away that is precious to God, but not these, not, not this nation, not God's people. That's not an indictment on them. Like, you know, what, you, know what, you know what pagan nations do? They worry about hoarding for themselves and everything that they have and they can get. They got to protect themselves. Hey, hey, drive fast, take shortcuts, and look out for number 
One. Who's number one? See, we're different. We're called to be different. We're called to be peculiar. We're called to look different. So these are laws that would set them apart from pagan nations, laws that would make it possible for a holy God just to be like, all right, let's, get, let's do this together. We're together. I propose to you. We're together. Let's walk this out together. Let's show the world what it looks like to have this kind of relationship with this kind of God. After all, you are now people of God, so we're supposed to live like it. We're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be a little weird. I am a lot weird. So we are a reflection of what this one God looks like. We have inherited it through Jesus Christ, the opportunity to show what God's people look like. The Noahic is about mercy and forgiveness. The Abrahamic, not in my mind, is a proposal. I want to be your God. The Mosaic, not as this is, this is how people who, who, who have accepted this God, this is how they act, this is how they look. Now, do we uh, uphold all of these laws? No, that was not our burden to uphold all of those laws. Jews carry the burden of the law. We carry the burden of grace. It doesn't mean we get to forego things that are basic that would make God look really, really good, like taking care of people. We are called even above the law more than So what does it look like to wake up tomorrow morning and have that be the first thought in your mind? How can I show the people what my God looks like? What is my day going to look like that's going to move me towards showing people what this one true God looks like? He is a gracious God who gave us love that I don't understand. It is beyond comprehension for me. So a couple of things I want you to think about as we enter our time of communion. Go ahead and open up your uh, communion. I want you to reflect on your relationship with God. Let's do some self-reflection. Do you see this God who proposed to you and still proposes to you that, that please you know, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Be, be this one true God. Is this one true God in your life? Is he a roommate? Is he your roommate? Do you have a casual relationship with the creator of the universe? Or are you starting to effort and look and see what it looks like for this God to be your soul mate? Where he wants to know you intimately. There is no struggle. There is no challenge. There is nothing dirty enough that he won't get his hands in there and, and, and fight with you and for you. Because he has plans for you. He has amazing plans for you. 
One of his plans is for you to be able to, for you to be curious enough to be looked at, to be like, man, why are you, what do you, what do you, you have something that I don't have. What is that? Why, why are you at such peace right now? Why are you not angry? Why do you have so much mercy and joy and love and kindness and forgiveness and all of these things? Where did you get all that? Because I don't have it and I want it. And you can say, I'm glad you asked. And you can be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have and why you would act the way that you have, you do. One man, Noah. One family, Abraham. One nation through Moses. And you know where we're going. Through God's only son. So Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. In the same way, he took the cup and saying this cup is the, the, the new covenant. It's the new covenant. We're going to get there in my blood and do this whenever you drink of it and do it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim. You proclaim what it looks like to love the Lord. You proclaim what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. Let's proclaim it. Father God, I just, um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what you've shown me personally this week, Lord, in your word. I'm grateful. I accept. I accept again and again and again and again and again. I accept it. I want to be in a soulmate relationship with you. You provided when I didn't deserve provision. You protected when I didn't deserve to be protected. You have treated me like a soulmate, not a roommate. Help me to recognize that. Help me to see how I can wake up and put my feet on the floor and wonder how I can tell the world that I love you. How I can tell the story of what you're doing in people's lives. And I can tell a story about the sacrifice of your son. Father God, I just ask that you would just open our hearts to you this week. That as the hundreds of feet hit the floor this week, we start to change our narrative. We start to change our mind. We start desiring and wanting to make sure that we don't just have a roommate who is our God or a roommate who is our spouse or a roommate who is our kids, but we have a soulmate. Let us search you deeply this week, Lord. Let us worship you well this week, Lord, through prayer and through music and through time in your word. Grow us. Grow our hearts. Soften our hearts. Open them up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com.
and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.